Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Everybody and thank you for joining me, Richard Listens, for yet another exciting podcast. Today we'll be venturing into many realms, including mental health, creativity, basketball, the world of high-stakes poker, and stigma surrounding the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. My guest today, Mr. Brett Stevens, is an author and public speaker, as well as trained in mental health first aid. Without further ado, I will be admitting Brett, and he can introduce you himself. Please check us out, Instagram.com slash Richard Listens, or visit my Patreon.com slash Richard Listens to be a supporter of the show. If you're in need of help during this crisis time, please don't hesitate. Check out our website, RichardListens.com, and see which ways we can help you manage care through telemedicine at this time. Without further ado, we hope you enjoy the show. It's going to be an exciting one and informative as well. Here comes my guest, Brett Stevens. Hey, Rich, can you hear me? I hear you now. I hear you now. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Thank you Thanks. for uh, bearing with me uh, the transition from studio time to uh, operating our, our home-based studio and now through the COVID concerns, uh, including any um, weird struggles I may have had. Not sure if they were connected to that diagnosis or not, but uh, I appreciate you uh, <laughs> being yeah. a patient and persistent guest of the show. And um, I'm really grateful. Uh, one of the things you get to learn about people and doing this podcast and, and working with professionals and people who share their gifts is really who, um, you know, has compassion and uh, persistence and a lot of patience. So thank you for joining us today. I did a, a little bit of a, a service to introduction to your talents and skills, but uh, with us today, we have Brett Stevens, author of Crossover, A Look Inside a Manic Mind. Uh, and I highlighted some of your various skills and interests. Thank you for being with us here today, Brett. Oh, thank you very much. It's, it's nice to be here. Uh, and I'm glad we can do this digitally. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, at least uh, we'll have uh, less uh, passing by buses and ambulances and whatever whatever happened to us last time. Uh, but such is such is the world of technology. We control the controllables. We learn in mental health and performance psychology. How are you managing with all this? Are you still able to do some of your writing and mental health first aid? Yeah, I'm doing well. I actually got engaged uh, about a month ago. Hey, and so, um, yeah, thanks. Living with my fiance, we can both work from home. And we're actually very lucky to be in a place where we can take a walk or go outside and, and not be in a crowded place. So we've been able to keep a good routine, you know, working and, and you know, maybe going for a jog or something like that. But yeah, overall, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the situation's pretty tough, but but I think we're, we're doing okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, it's like these new social dynamics of like, even when you go out for a walk in these crowded areas, it's like, <laughs> who's crossing the street? And uh, um, I actually rolled my ankle, like trying to step six feet towards the curb. <laughs> so it's oh. like, you know. You know how, like, when you walk your, you know, I, I used to have a dog, and when you walk your dog, you kind of go to the other side of the road when someone's walking. I feel like now I'm just doing that when I see a person. <laughs> I'm, like, walking myself to the other side of the road. But, yeah, so so I try and do it and then still maintain some of the, you know, social norms of, like, smiling at people, but because you have a mask on, they can't even see your smile, so... um You're trying to read people's foreheads and their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a new day and age. So um, are you are you still working on uh, writing books? Are you are you helping people through psychological first aid online? Uh, you know, where is your focus right now? So right now, I actually just started a new job. It's like a, a, start, a smaller startup and it's mental health related. But I actually have also been writing a second book that kind of follows the first book crossover and is much more focused on recovery and really how to go from these like dark places that I've been to now, you know, being engaged and having a pretty positive mindset and, and making bipolar one part of, of my life instead of it taking over my whole life. So I've definitely spent a lot of time working on this second project and it it's pretty much done. So I'm going to be, you know, looking for a publisher and getting that process started here pretty soon. That's amazing. And and does the journey, you know, you, you mentioned you share quite open uh, crossover as a, as a, you know, a look at your struggles. And I know you've shared with me initially about uh, several moments of your life where we're really impacted um, and, and cause a detour in your life. Do you find that the, the stigma and, and the working through it gets less as you you know, get out there in the mental health community and as you tell your story, or is it always an obstacle? No, it definitely becomes less. And I think a good way to, basically a good way to think about it is when you take medication for the first time, it can be a lot more difficult to deal with the side effects than when you've taken it for a really long time. Uh, that's been my experience. You get, you get comfortable with the medication and then it's almost just part of your routine. So I think you can take a holistic look at, at being di diagnosed with bipolar and seeing that it, it's very, very intense, confusing and tough from the very beginning. Um, my experience has been that as I've learned and as I've, you know, focused in the right places and, and done the right things, 
it's become a much more manageable thing to the point now where, look, I always have an awareness of, of what could happen, but I, I feel as healthy as ever. And it's, it's not something that will, you know, ruin uh, my mindset now, like when I, as I approach life, I guess. Yeah, and you're, you're, a, a, I didn't realize you were also a basketball, you know, a, a fanatic. Did you play um, competitively? So I played in high school, uh, like varsity basketball, and then I played in the national um, 18 and under Jewish, Jewish team in Israel. Uh, so that was my big, <laughs> my big, uh, my big moment was, was playing in that, in that um, basically Olympic type thing in Israel but oh, then the when Maccabi I went to college, games? yeah that's, yeah the Maccabi games the 18 yeah. and over that's pretty tough uh, competition yeah, 18, 18 and under 18 and okay. under <laughs> but still yeah no it, it was a great experience and then when that was over it was kind of like officially the end of my my basketball career and then I went off to school and just played more like intramurals and, and pick up Hey, listen, I still uh, aspire to play. I think uh, had, had they not uh, postponed things, I was going to try out for a little bit older age bracket to keep playing. And um, we may have a, a panel delivered to the Maccabi International for their athletes on how to deal with a lost season. So um, I've stayed connected and I'm holding out hope that they will bring a sports psychologist in 2022 to their game. So oh, that's very cool. It's been interesting to to stay connected and involved, and even as uh, my physical abilities and uh, <laughs> style of play, let's say, have shifted tremendously to adjust with uh, with my mental game. Did you so, uh, did you play uh, competitively? I played I played competitively, and part of my journey as a sports psychologist. I mean, I, I played uh, varsity, and similar to you, played in the Maccabi games and. Um, found private coaches in the summers and uh, wanted to play at a smaller division three school at the same time that my father lost his job and I had to go to work. So I wound up um, at the university of Florida where my six foot four frame would have made me a point guard. Uh, <laughs> right. So similar to you, I, I set up and organized three on three tournaments uh, and and have still plaques hanging at the University of Florida. So I found ways to stay involved in playing basketball always, including, I mean, up to – I was in leagues, even with guys much younger than I was until a, a year or so ago, um, and was an alternate on uh, the, the team that went uh, to Chile uh, wow. two years ago. So so I've stayed competitive, and, and, and my own – grief or loss of being able to play collegiately, I think is what's motivated me as a, as a coach and now working with athletes because um, I see how long that stays with you, um, you know, wanting to play and having kind of a, a uh, attempt that is aborted or interrupted. And that can cause, uh, you know, a lot of feelings of uh, depression and stress like that for anyone who had a, uh, a dream or didn't had something get in the way or an injury. So I think, you know, that's what's really motivated me to work with athletes when people ask me, you know, why switch now from, um, you know, working with, you know, chronic mental illness and moving more towards athletes is because I've begun to see the human element uh, beneath athletes and, and sometimes the reasons why they're playing or who they're playing for, the pressure they're under, um, or people that, you know, don't get to make it uh, to the level 
they quite um, had aspired to. My, my previous guest is a football player who I think spent six years just to make it into the Canadian Football League. Um, so, you know, it's it's really like an amazing, amazing venture for the people who do persist and make it. And uh, for those who don't or have to deal with uh, family health or um, other challenges um, that, you know, that there's a, there's a need for support and, and mental health, you know, counseling and, and things like that, because coping at that level, it's, it's really not easy for students at a young age to go through. So um, anyway, we still find ways to, uh, you know, turn our frustrations into passions and fun and uh I, I always joke now that i'm a basketball player with three kids who play soccer so you know maybe that, maybe that'll teach me not to take it so seriously next time yeah <laughs> well there's there's no doubt like when i went to college and i wasn't on the team and I, I was just kind of like every other student i definitely felt some of that like like my identity was was always being on the basketball team and that was that was difficult for for a couple months like right into college for sure yeah, I mean, being a part of a team, you know, especially right now, guys, who, you know, like we're talking athletes, like, what do you do? And, and how do you find motivation when you're in isolation uh, or quarantine, you know? And it's like when so much of your motivation comes from showing up at a certain place, being around others who are also doing it. So, um, you know, this is a really, really unique situation, you know, and I think without basketball, uh, yeah, I had one summer in college where I had to stay. They required you to stay for a summer semester. And I was the silly guy who tried to experiment with cooking with his shirt off. <laughs> and uh, I wound up getting some burns on my stomach and couldn't play basketball for that summer. And it was like the greatest amount of self-sabotage and probably mm -hmm. depression. I think I took like music appreciation, one other simple class. And uh, I think I wound up getting C's in both of them. So I always look back like, how could I not have done well with two classes over an entire summer? But it was a, it was a crushing identity <laughs> type yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when did you move on, um, you know, to, to, to writing and to discovering uh, poker? Were you part of the whole, you know, poker boom and beyond? I, I know I st still love the game and I'm fascinated by uh, math and, and, and people. Um, so when did you discover those yeah. talents? So it's weird. I kind of have three, I feel like I've had three cycles in my life. So I was all basketball and made to college. And then I had this first like serious episode. And then as I recovered from that, which took a lot of work over many months, which I write about in the book, I, I actually started getting good at online poker. So I, I always had played poker growing up. But I didn't necessarily start winning and showing like, you know, really good profit until that time because um, I got some good advice from a professional guy that was actually, you know, a professional poker player doing it at the time. So I kind of built those skills in between my first episode and my second episode. So I've always liked poker, um, made a lot of sense to me. And that's where that like kind of hobby turned into my actual career. But then after, you know, fast forward, whatever, it, it took the, the final episode where I was diagnosed with bipolar. Um, so the third one is when I had time during my recovery 
to actually write. So I've never written anything before. And it was really like having the time, I guess, and just really wanting to like tell the story is what motivated me to start writing. And then I just really got to work on that and had some good time to finish it. So, it, you know, these things kind of happen in between episodes over the last 10 years. Poker was more in my, my early 20s when I was like really just like excited and living with roommates. The writing phase happened more after I was recovering from all this diagnosed bipolar, kind of like figuring my life out at that point. Yeah, I mean, so much, so much to ask you about just, just right in there. I was just happened to be last night reading, uh, you know, like different studies on, on gambling and different age groups and the advent of the video age. And actually was pretty surprised to show that at least in, in this study that they did not show higher levels of like addiction amongst the people who've been playing online. Um, that was, you know, kind of curious to me because I know like with the access of multiple screens and uh, the internet that you would think that um, access and the phones that, that it might increase addictive tendencies. Um, but what, what was your experience in terms of, I know that, you know, oftentimes there's some mental component uh, to addiction. Was, was it hard to separate out uh, playing professionally uh, from bipolar disorder or did you at times feel like uh it, it went hand in hand and led to extremes yeah that's i mean so i didn't know uh, i i did not know i was i was not diagnosed with bipolar disorder when i was go, when i was like making poker my full-time career so what was interesting was poker was always something fun and then it was like everything was amazing right like now that poker could actually make me money and it was my only thing that I had to do or think about or, or you know, use to, to make money and support myself. Now I'm having fun and I'm, that's my job. It's fun. I'm making money. So it's like kind of a, a combination of everything that you would think would be an amazing life, right? You're doing all these things. You know, I'd play poker when I was bored. I'd play poker when I was working. I played poker for fun. You know, it was just all the same thing. And so for a good year or so, like, that was all I needed. I was fulfilled. But what ends up happening is you start to get bored. Things start to look the same. And then I actually did have my episode at the height of, of when I was playing a lot of tables and kind of like getting to that phase of it being a little bit boring. So I had an episode at that time. But then really what crushed me was uh, all of online poker got shut down like in a day. And I'm sure you know about like Black Friday. You know, I'm sure, sure. you've been involved. So, so now take away my job, take away my hobby, take, like, take away everything that I had been doing. And, and now I'm, I'm depressed. So I don't know that it was like, I used to laugh and say, oh, I'm so addicted to poker. Ha ha ha. But in the back of my mind, it was like, I'm actually making money and, and building wealth and doing all these things that are important. But uh, I don't think I ever had this like addiction that I couldn't control. I think it was, I saw it as my job. I treat it like a job. But when it was taken away, I certainly missed it. And I'm lucky because now I can kind of like dabble and I schedule it if I'm going to play, which is not as, you know, maybe once a week max. Um, and other than that, you know, it's, it's a hobby and that was kind of a phase of my life. But I, I don't, you know, feel the need to like get back to this like crazy place with poker where I'm playing for 12 hours straight, six days a week. Yeah, I mean that's that's really well said i mean that's part of what they recommend you know in working with 
making gambling healthy and, and, and habit uh, harm reduction, right? It's like scheduling time, having a set amount uh, put aside that's not going to damage your, your cash flow for essentials um, so that, you know, you're not falling into these you know, tendencies to try and, you know, chase losses and, and things like that, which um, begin to be really unhealthy. Um, so, you know, it's pretty, pretty, yeah, and that's pretty shocking, just like we dealt with here, right, with the corona uh, virus, you know, all of a sudden training camps being closed, SATs being canceled, you know, overnight. Uh, like this kind of change is really shocking. And I always, I always bring that up in discussions about, you know, even sudden loss when people do go through grief or things like that. So I feel like, you know, everyone's in a state of grief right now in a way, uh, in, if you had a job or something like that or a routine that's totally been canceled. Um, but for all of society, even something like going to the grocery store, as I experienced this last Friday, it's just not the same thing. Um, so that's pretty amazing that did you know that you needed like support or did it just like, did it immediately become evident uh, to your family that uh, intervention was needed after black Friday? Well, well, yeah. So the way that it worked was I actually had a like full blown public like episode while poker was still running and my episodes are very dramatic, but it's, they're not, uh, voluntary so it's it's not like people are making a choice and we're all walking in together i've i usually get taken in by like police or it, it's been and that's what i wrote about because i just thought it was like a crazy thing to, to have happen um so for me it was in that one i had been involuntary brought to the hospital very manic not not you know not even close to to being in touch with reality and in the hospital take medication all that stuff and like I'd say my recoveries are 18 months to, to get back to even. And I was probably in like the second month of my recovery. So still not in a good place at all. And that's when online poker got shut down. So now the thing that I was doing that was making me happy, com you know, is gone combined with this. I'm, I'm recovering. I'm on new medication. And, you know, at that point, everybody was kind of aware of like I was in this recovery phase. So it wasn't because poker got taken away. I was down. It was like, that wasn't the main reason I was, I was still just like recovering from these, this manic episode, but that was kind of like icing on the cake and it was a pretty rough time. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, 
all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. So, I mean, you know, in all of this, you've turned it, you discovered a, a, a passion for writing and um, uh, a willingness to share your story. Uh, where, where is it taking you now? I mean, at least before the crisis, were you doing book tours? I know you're regularly posting uh, about, you know, on LinkedIn articles and, and references to uh, ways people with bipolar disorder may be impacted. Um, where do you find yourself now and um, how, how is the book doing and what's the directions for, you mentioned you have another writing project coming up. Yeah. So my, I'd say I see it more as like a part-time hobby slash thing at this point. So I'm, I'm posting a lot as, as you see uh, over 500 copies have sold, which is like, I think that's pretty solid. Like I've never written anything and I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know what, what that means in terms that's of- That's a win right others, there. <laughs> when they told yeah, me at Buzzsprout that I had five downloads of my podcast, I was like, <laughs> I guess this is time for like that emoji that sends off fireworks. So. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's not for money at all. It's, it's, a, it's, the, it's supposed to help people. I'm actually putting together an audio book because I think a lot of people might- might digest it in a better way uh, in that format so that should take a month or two and then honestly like I just I feel like I'm getting people that I don't know online pretty regularly like engaging in conversation or sharing something and really that's that's what it's all about so I'm just really interested in kind of like rowing the falling online in just like a very comfortable like as slow way as I want and I'm just seeing that it is, it is helping people are reading it. Uh, the reviews are, are good so far. And I just thought that I had left a lot on the table in the last couple chapters of Crossover in terms of like recovering. So I really, you know, instead of saying I was depressed for four months, like I wanted the second book, the one that I'm finishing now, to be very detailed about what happens in four months of being depressed. You know, very like, here's what it's actually like. Let me explain restlessness or the feeling inside that you're getting of anxiety. Just, just kind of written in the same style as crossover, but it starts with saying like, you have bipolar disorder. Like that's the first line. And then how do we get from there confused, vulnerable, scared to like talking about this stuff pretty comfortably engaged. You know, what, what does that look like? And that, that's what I wrote about for this next project. Yeah, I mean, this is just, it's just amazing on so many levels. I mean, especially, I mean, the poker community, right? I mean, it's, there's been given a hard time. Uh, I don't know how much is, is known, but, you know, still relatively young since the poker boom. I mean, maybe now we have uh, 15 years to look at, uh, maybe 20 years, you know, at the most of uh, just the volume of, of young players and, uh, and gaming in particular, like you mentioned, 12 hour commitment, you know, not moving, being indoors, um, yep. you know, reacting to the intensity pressure uh, and stress as you begin to do it for a living. So, you know, speaking to performers and these are performers, you know, with intense stakes, um, you know, and being able to educate them about bipolar disorder and reduce the stigma and explain to them what they're going through. 
uh, we hope will reduce, um, you know, the isolation and the pain that's associated with these experiences and, and for athletes as well who go through these experiences, but don't, you know, don't quite want to tell anybody or so used to just playing the next game that they don't know how to get support. Uh, have you found that uh, other other people who are, you know, poker players or any particular community is more receptive or, or is reaching out to uh, discuss the book with you? Yeah, right now it's more like the medical community, kind of just like looking for a way to understand like what it truly is like to go through these episodes in the way that <clears throat> that I went through them. But I was, you made me just think of something too, like, I think athletes, poker players, anyone who's required to perform, like you can usually transfer that stuff to your recovery. And so what I mean by that is like, so in poker, like I'd never invest more than 5% of my bankroll in one buy-in. So when a doctor is telling me about medication and, oh, the chances of this, the chances of that, like, I just feel like I have a, I'm more prepared to understand like what a risk is even if it's not in poker, here, here's a risk that happens in, in, you know, assigning medicine, whatever. So, and also like in terms of recovery, like I'm going to be a discipline to, to, to learn how to make a three pointer in basketball, take a certain type of discipline to do meditating in the morning. I feel like those are similar parts of the brain that, that it takes to kind of get yourself to do those things and practice. And so I, I certainly think that, um, I mean, poker players or athletes or whoever, like if they are going through this, uh, they could probably relate to some of the discipline, like events and, and items that have to occur to achieve success, even if that's just like mental stability. Yeah, I love that. Discipline, discipline and focus are equally applicable to recovery. And I think, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> You know, people, you know, people ask me about, I had a couple of dings, bruises. I, I, I had a fever, uh, like we mentioned last month. People say, are you recovered? And I kind of laughed. And I said, you know, the recovery is this, you know, whether it be physical, emotional, whatever you're battling through, um, the recovery is kind of this endless process. It doesn't necessarily have an end point. I mean, you know, certainly I could say, right, certain getting my better sleep or better nutrition. If I'm working on uh, medications or supplements, I could say I'm taking them more regularly. <laughs> um, do, do, is recovery the end game? What, what would you say it is no, in terms of it? It can't health? be. It, for, for me, it can't be uh, <laughs> because having bipolar disorder means that I will always have a chance at these dangerous manic episodes happening if I'm not aware of it, or even if honestly, if I'm doing everything that I can, there's still that chance. So I could never just say recovered, done, like, let me move on to the next thing. But I agree with you. Like there's, there's all, even, even maintaining health is probably still uh, a recovery process that doesn't end. So I so, agree with you. I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's an endless process. Thank you for highlighting that. Uh, you know, but, you know, we've seen, you know, a player on the Minnesota Vikings last year needed to be 5150 is a popular term, uh, you know, hospitalized from the facility. And I know, you know, my whole job with L.A. County in hospitalizing uh, people who are danger themselves or danger to others. And the hotline doesn't stop ringing. Um, how, how do you prepare your family or your support system? Like you said, I'm sure that's not something you want to go through again, but in knowing that 
you know, if there is a break, it can be, it can be kind of public and, and uh, you know, how, how, what, what coping or preventative, you know, measures can people take to, to really yeah. find safety? It's, it, it's, it's a fine line because mine happened very quickly. So even my, my last episode, I saw my doctor on a Tuesday and I was in the hospital that Friday. So I wasn't even able to see him that second time. That's how fast it ramped up uh, for me to get to, to that manic place. So what I tell my, my, my family, they have each other's contact info. They know where the hospital is. But unfortunately for me, like if, if it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. And I'm either going to end up in the hospital where they can, see, you know, find me and then I can recover from there or it's going to get worse. So really all we can do is kind of like just know that that potential is there. Um, because what I really don't like is when, if there's an overly, like a, an overchecking, like, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Like it gets, it gets a little bit much to be like overly checked in on and just not, you know, Hey, let me, let me like go, let me do my own thing for a little bit without my mom calling me like six times to see if I'm like <laughs> having an episode or not. You know what I mean? So, so it's, it's very, very, very difficult. Uh, there's not many things that can be done with my situation. I am sure in other people's unique situations, it can be planned a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's going to be phone calls and, and panic, honestly, if, uh, if that happens again, unfortunately. And if, so, you don't so ask, be, if you don't want me asking, how do you bring that into, you know, now you are, you're taking the, the, like you said, the risk you're investing, you know, have a fiance, how do you bring that into, you know, a, a new relationship? Um, so you, so it's not overwhelming. Uh, and yet um, it's, there's communication around it. Yeah, totally. So my fiance is totally cool. Like she's very supportive. Uh, I think that I set a pretty good example because I just, I live my life. Like I am very open about my morning routine I'm meditating today. I'm doing breathing exercise. I'm taking my medicine. Like I, I kind of take it on myself and I say, here's what I am supposed to be doing. Um, I see a doctor, you know, once a week, I have these things in place. So I think I, you know, I think I would be probably be getting ahead. The goal would be to get ahead before the episode happens where I would be the one saying like, Hey, something's off or like, we would just get ahead of it that way. But once I'm in it, it's kind of like no turning back. But really, it's all about balance. I mean, I went from having like nothing on my schedule, totally depressed, like diagnosed bipolar, no clue how the medicine works, to first figuring out medicine. Okay, then living a normal life, but at my mom's, then finally becoming independent, and now like kind of integrating that into my relationship. And so it's, it's baby steps, and it's really like making one change at a time. But I 100%, um, I hold myself accountable to to the medicine just like I would have been basketball or poker or whatever and then as long as my support system they know that so it's a little bit less of a of a thing that that's on their mind and, and you know at a certain point it's kind of like uncontrollable if something's going to happen it's going to happen have you found uh NAMI National Alliance uh, for Mental Illness or any other community organizations to be supportive resources uh, for individuals struggling similarly? Yeah, I think they're like the gold standard. So anytime someone, like when I was looking for support groups, like that's the first site that I found. Um, I actually did a book club and and someone who is like 
pretty um, involved with NAMI, set me up with someone else from NAMI who had written a similar book and we connected that way. So I think it's just such a, it's such a great resource because it's so popular. And I've met a few really interesting people through there. Um, I haven't necessarily like signed up for their, their stuff, but uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly a helpful tool, especially if you are for the first time, like realizing what bipolar is or that you, you have it. That, that's a great place to go. Now we know a fun fact about you that on Tuesday nights after the quarantine, you'll be back at book club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all the, the old women. <laughs> well, well, give us, leave us a, a fun fact about you. What is one creative way you're managing in this uh, quarantine and uh, one fun way you found to uh, relieve steam and still maintain balance? Yeah, so we uh, we had these like, little pads that kind of worked as like yoga pads upstairs and I just like took them all out and put them in the basement and just like made the whole basement a padded like floor because it wasn't finished and then we'll do like yoga and stretching and stuff down there we, we pretend like we're at the gym but really we're just in like the unfinished basement <laughs> it's the new gym it's the new yeah, age exactly <laughs> and you get to bring your own playlist yeah and turn it up as loud as we want <laughs> well, I, I appreciate, I mean, your your transparency and openness and, and vulnerability. I know we both have been moved by uh, Kay Redfield-Jameson. Uh, her work, I, I think, uh, I read Touched by Fire. I think you mentioned one other. Um, uh, Unquiet Mind. Yes, The Unquiet Mind. So another great resource for anyone. I want to hear of people who are highly esteemed and professional and going through the struggle uh, emotionally and habitually of how to, you know, diagnose and maintain treatment for bipolar disorder and uh, still be really impactful, amazing, contributing individuals with tremendous amounts of creativity. In fact, you know, it's really amazing the people that we know historically that have uh, wrestled uh, to figure out outlets, uh, creative outlets, and have done so while while managing um, bipolar disorder, probably before it was called bipolar disorder. Uh, tell us, uh, Brett, and our listeners how they can get a hold of your book and stay in contact with you. You're really a tremendous resource, and uh, your transparency for uh, younger listeners or people who have you know, been down a similar road or gamers who may not know what's going on uh, when they get a little bit push to extremes uh how can they um find you contact you and learn more yeah um, and i'm very open to anyone who wants to talk uh i'll say i'm not a doctor or anything but i, I have a couple email communications going and so the email is bhstevens482 at gmail.com so anyone email me we'll, we'll chat about whatever it is and then really uh, I'm on a couple of social media things like, like, like we've talked um, on, but really like LinkedIn is a good place, Brett Stevens. And then I'd say our most like interesting <laughs> from where I'm sitting social media thing is, is just Facebook. So it's called crossover, uh, a look inside a manic mind on Facebook. And that's where I'm doing most of the posting. And that's the, the best audience. I've, I get a lot of messages on there as well. Amazing, amazing. And and do you find, uh, just as a personal question, do you find the need to still, you know, find a, cre a competitive outlet? Um, or do you feel that creativity kind of solves some of the same needs? 
No, I, I always <laughs> I need a competitive outlet. So what I do, I play chess, uh, online chess, and I play these ten minute games, <laughs> just just the right amount of time. But uh, I definitely catch myself um, playing a lot sometimes. So uh, I love chess. It's never going to change. It's competitive, and it's just another one of those things that that I attempt to schedule and do. Um, actually prefer it to poker at this point because it's uh it's just a little quicker and it's kind of one-on-one and you know it gives you that competitive feeling yeah and it's endless right the amount of study and and different (laughs) strategies and moves oh yeah yeah it's it's pretty cool there's always someone that's gonna be better than you (laughs) that's right i just read about the uh the polgar sisters um being raised from like age four um i think they were raised like in isolation only playing chess and i think all three of them became like world champions so wow (laughs) pretty pretty hard to beat that (laughs) i know well the coronavirus wasn't around back then was it for them to be in isolation back then? no i think the dad it was actually his uh the psychology of of becoming like the best that if he solely raised them without distraction and focus you know what how that that they would become you know, they would become the best and uh, was wow. three sisters. And I think the youngest one became the best. And also to see if you would lose, like if you would lose your interest or your passion for something. And uh, uh, I think, you know, they all claim to really love it. Like, like mm-hmm. the dad had to like wake up in the middle of the night and take away the game pieces and things like that. So wow. pretty interesting uh, how different people yeah. react differently uh to to levels of attention and focus and and what creates passion but that's a conversation for a different day (laughs) yep (laughs) and uh you know hopefully you'll uh you'll school me in in chess or teach me a few things i don't know already about writing or or poker uh down the road um but uh i'm grateful for you being back on the show today and um i thank you for being a resource and we'll continue to make your resource available to our listeners I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, text you some, some chess info and, and everything else. We'll, we'll play on chess.com. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, know, my guests for coming and sharing uh, high performers in a variety of realms, um, being willing to transfer their skills and life experiences into multiple platforms to be honest and authentic about their journeys through life, loss, transition, Uh, success, failure, and to be able to be honest about periods of anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, experiences they have that are real and impactful and that many of us go through and have trouble reaching out for. Again, I'm Richard Listens, available on Instagram at Richard Listens. Check out my patreon.com slash Richard Listens for advanced content and find ways to support the show. If you or someone you love or care about need support during the coronavirus or at any time, please check out richardlistens.com. We're offering telehealth sessions right now to help people cope with the crisis or athletes out there looking for ways to deal with this transition and find new skills for maintaining and developing your high performance mindset. Look forward to bringing you continued excellent content. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. 
Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.